0: Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast.
1: and welcome to Inside the Episode. Today, David and I are going inside the episode titled, Produce Your Own Experience. And it's been a while, so first of all, welcome back to the studio. David, it's really good. It's good to be in here. You all out in YouTube land haven't seen us for a little over a month. We just finished wrapping David's amazing eight-part Accelerate Your Income series. If you have not yet listened to that, I'd encourage you, after you listen to this one, go back and listen to that one again. It's available wherever you get your podcasts, eight parts, really powerful way for you to get Rocking and rolling into quarter four. so But it is good to be back in the studio. It feels so good to be here. It is.
0: It is fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's good. Well, today we're talking about produce your own experience, and we'll just jump right in the episode itself. Let's do it. You talked about, at the very introduction of this episode, you talked about Neil Donald Walsh's book, Conversations with God, and there may be some people out there that are not quite familiar with that book. So can you talk a bit more about how influential that book was for you and why a person should maybe pick it up and study it a bit?
0: Yeah, so... um, most people that that know my story know that one of the main conflicts um, in in my thinking and what I knew and and that created so many questions for me when I was young was how does religion fit into life and success and and personal growth and and all these different things um, from the basis of of what we were taught, in whatever specific religion you may have been raised in. I was raised Catholic, so that was an interesting one. But really, from everybody's pr- perspective, you know, in their religion, I mean, there's there's questions that, that come up in your mind. And there's a lot of conflicting information that are in those historical books, those sacred books, because I do think they're sacred books, and um, uh, in the people that, that are in those religions, that are teachers in those religions. So, when I when I approached those people when I was a child, um, learning from them because I was in I was in catechism CCD classes, you know, in order to do the sacraments. Because like I said, I was I was raised Catholic, and I would I would be very curious about certain things that we were being taught because I didn't see how it fit in with. Um, you know, secular ideology, although I wouldn't have even known the word secular or ideology at the time, but that's what I was thinking. Like, how does this work? I don't understand this because it's not fitting the model of the world that I'm currently living in. Anyway, most of the time that I would ask those questions, number one, they were not received well. They were almost always received as a disruption. Um, They were were many times— the, the answer would come back to me in the idea of whatever the Bible says is true, and the, the, the context in which I'm asking the question has no merit because what the Bible says is true, or what Christ says is true. And they wouldn't even take into consideration the context in which I was asking about the information. And then sometimes— they would address it from the perspective of not addressing it and just saying that, you know, there's, there's um, uh, uh, many mysteries. Uh, you know, God is, is a God of many mysteries, and there's just some things that God doesn't want us to know. Now, I wouldn't say that everything I've ever asked them, they didn't give me an answer, but whenever I asked them something that was very difficult to explain based on what the Bible was saying or based on what the teaching was— as it pertained to how we were currently living our life, those are the kinds of answers that I got. And I even got into trouble a few times because they were were trying to stop me from disrupting the class by asking provocative questions. And I was not trying to be provocative. I was seriously wanting answers to these questions. So when I was a kid, I didn't get those answers. As I started to study, and I started to really want to understand what I was taught and what other people are taught about religion... I went and I looked at the major religions around the world. I studied them to some degree so I could understand what other people knew and believed and why they believed those things. Um, And then I wanted to study the the perspective of spirituality, which is the idea that you believe in spirit or God or the universe, a higher intelligence, uh, a creator or an architect of the universe, of us. Um, without being in a religion. But what are spiritual principles, and how do those work? And somewhere along the line, I came across Neil Donald Walsh's work, which was a lot of the same curiosity that he had in his life, and supposedly he had this, this thing that happened to him where he had this conversation with God, at least in his mind it was a conversation with God, where he was asking questions, and he was getting answers, you know, in his mind. In his mind, he was talking to God, and he was asking all kinds of questions about the belief systems and what we were taught here, you know, in this lifetime and, and, you know, in general on on Earth. And he created, you know, uh, three uh, volumes, three books um, that directly were, you know, the result of these conversations— And they are—it's a fantastic piece of work because um, it answers—it gives a a answer to a lot of the questions that people have about God. It gives a different perspective, a different alternative. Um, Of course, whenever—you know, I always put this caveat out there. Whenever you're studying something from any human being, including myself, you cannot study what they're saying without understanding the truth— that part of what they're saying is part of them. They are creating the message. I don't care what they've studied or what they believe. It is their interpretation of what it is that they've studied and believe. So you need to take that into consideration, right? And I take that into consideration with uh, Neil Donald Walsh's work. I think it's fantastic work, though. I happen to agree with just about everything that, the, that, that he says in those books. And the thing for me, because— would I, would I have come to, like, people ask me, what do I believe as far as is religion or Christ or Buddha or Krishna or, or any of this stuff? Do you believe it's real? Well, it's an interesting question, do I believe that it's real? Because to say that I believe that it's real without, without having evidence that it's real, other than here are books that say that it's real, but th- those stories were created by human beings, um, and human beings that we don't know. These these are very old, you know, scripts of information, right? Um, There's people all over the world teaching their perspective of these things, and it's very interesting because you can have a person take the Bible, and they can teach doom and gloom from it, and people will believe it, and you can have a person teach you know, love and peace, and you can have a person teach prosperity. Like, whatever a person is coming from, they can take one of these things, and they can turn it into a belief system. We have that, you know, in the Middle East. You know, people have taken, you know, ancient texts and turned it into hate. You know, I mean, it's it's fascinating what, what people can do with this stuff. So I think we have to be careful with the idea of what do we believe. Um, I think that there's a lot of truth in, in, in these manuscripts, in in these books. I also think that there is a fair bit of nonsense in them or uh, information that does not pertain to how we're living today, clearly does not pertain to like I can't tell you how people lived then. The only way we have to know that is to, to read, to learn like what is written down in history. But then again, it's, it's somebody's perspective of that, right? So you have to take all that into consideration. The perspective that I come from, like I, I have I was like, I need to believe something, I want to believe something. I really want to believe something. What am I going to believe in that seems to make sense for me with with how I 'm understanding the world and the universe? And the one thing that seemed very apparent to me with everything that I was learning was that there was this idea that's right in front of all of us that is that we call life it 's life, right so you can't deny that we're living, right? It's, it's human beings are living, nature is living, it's life. And even in the universe, even if you don't call it life because it looks cold and desolate, um, it's moving. There's movement there, right? So it's fascinating. It, it's, it's a real fascinating concept. So I decided that, look, what do we want to do in the essence of our lives? We want to live, and we want to live well, and we want to do the right things. And we want to um, we want to be um, in a in a way where we're helping our fellow man. We're, like we're 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 not taking away from another person's life or experience, but we're actually benefiting other people in what we do. So I started to create the idea of more life. Like everything that I want to do and believe has to fit this idea of more life. Even with the perspective now, this actually does fit. Um, a religious concept, and it fits a scientific concept when it comes to death, because the one thing, or one of the things that both religion and science agree on, is that there is no real death. It's all just a transference of energy, right? Energy is cons- consistently moving and changing, right? But it's it is there. There's uh, there's no creation, no, no death. It, it's just always here. So if you if you remove the idea of physical death, and you come from the aspect of like everything is consistently changing, energy is consistently changing, but it's moving, and it's alive, and it's always moving from one form of life to another, then the, the kind of like the modus operandi of the universe or of God in, in at least what I'm choosing to believe is life. So and then I asked a different question. Is there anything that's a detriment by choosing to live with the idea of more life and beginning to read and understand things from that perspective. Because I'm even removing right or wrong. Because right or wrong is a perception based on who's right or wrong we're dealing with. And that can get very tricky, right? So it's not that I don't believe in some semblance of right or wrong, but from the perspective of, does it add to a person's life or take away from life, right? So it's, I feel that we we should all be free to live the life that we want, but the idea is that we move, we do things that, that add to our lives. It's, so it's more life every, and in any way that you look at it. So when I, when I really got into Neil Don and Walsh, Walsh's work, it was a very fresh perspective on so many things that human beings have hangups on, and whether it was God or his unconscious that was giving these answers um, for the most, but I haven't read, read through those in quite a few years. But as I remember them, uh, almost everything in those books is with the idea of more life. There's nothing that takes away from life or the experience of people and the things that that we, that we, that we hold very dear to us. Because the three biggies that we, that we have literally been programmed with a lot of conflicting information is the, the idea of God, the idea of sex, and the idea of money in various different incarnations in our life. So instead of—I'm not going to go into that really deep because I could just talk for a week on all of that. But when you start to detangle the negative and the 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 dangerous stuff that we've been taught around that and ask from a fresh perspective of how should we believe around these things according to more life, then what— Walsh put in those books is a very fresh perspective. So I recommend that people read them if they're interested in getting a different perspective on either their spiritual beliefs or their religious beliefs. And remember, you're reading somebody else's work that they created. Um, Read it with the idea to yourself that you're going to make up your own mind about it. But I think that it's a great fresh perspective to help a person consider what they want to believe for themselves.
1: Man, I love that. That is a very in-depth answer for sure. And I love that because so much to unpack from what you just talked about. But I, what I pulled away from all of that was there might be some people that get, you know, turned off by the title. Anytime you mention God, some people get a little skittish. So just understand that there's that word can be interchangeable with other things. He's having this conversation with God through his eyes, and it does definitely bring a fresh perspective. I haven't read the whole thing cover to cover, but what I like about how you study is you cannot touch a book for years. Yeah. You pull it off the shelf when you're. Called and pulled to a page, which is basically what you did in this particular episode that we're going inside today. And you were able to share the importance of how we are able to produce our own experience, and I love that. I also love the visual of a very young David uh, sitting in CCD classes. Yeah, yeah, You know, just asking questions, mm. being that seeker that you continue to be to this day. And then me thinking through my experience in CCD and how many times I got kicked out of class for a variety of different reasons because I too grew up catholic so it brought up a whole bunch of different things but the important part about all of that is that you can be influenced by a myriad of different things but you also need to bring your perspective into it don't just take what was written and make it be the law there's other things and sudden nuances that you can pull into it so i think that's really cool and i would encourage everybody to go out and take a look at this book it really is uh neil donald walsh's material can be very impactful if you allow it to so
0: well let me let me just add on to this for for a second here. so when I, was, when I was actually teaching this um, in the class that you're referring to, you know, one of the ideas is that I think we have to really ask ourselves, why do we believe what we believe? And I know that just me saying that is a trigger for many people. However, um, if you don't ever ask that question, you are basically turning your entire life over to information that other people gave you, and you have no idea where they got the information or what their motive is to believe what it is that they believe. And chances are that they themselves are the product of somebody else giving them that information without them doing any thinking around it themselves. So one of the biggest places that we experience this is people that are raised in a religious environment, right? now, I am not saying that a religion is a bad thing. I would never ask somebody to give up or change their religion or say that their religion is wrong. If you, if you like your religion and you believe in your religion and it is doing great things in your life and you're doing great things with it and you're not hurting anybody, then I'm like, go for it. I think that it's fantastic. Um, there's so much there to learn. However, religion has, al- has also been one of the main motives of human beings killing each other over the idea that their religion is right and everybody else's religion is wrong. And they believe some of the craziness or misinterpret some of the words that are centuries old in these books. So the, and I don't think, I don't think, well because here's here's some of the perspective that some people believe. Like there are atheists that believe this, that those books are dangerous. I, b- I don't believe that. I don't believe that that any book is dangerous. I think that people can be dangerous based on what they think and how they decide that they're going to take that information and what they're going to do. But this is, this is the point that I want to make. I think it's our responsibility, it's our individual responsibility to question the information that we were taught to believe. Because if we don't question it, we automatically just take it on, on faith or fact that that it's true. And there are so many people that are walking around believing their religion or, or, or whatever. Like, they're believing so many things that people told them are factual and true that have severe consequences if they, if they don't believe it, right? Like, well, look at Christians. Like, most Christians—I shouldn't say most. I can't say most because I don't know that it's most. Many. Many Christians believe that if you don't accept Christ— um, as your savior, and deny all other religions, that you will literally go to hell, like you'll spend eternity in hell. And I remember one time, in, in, and this was actually in, a, in, a, in one of these classes when I was a kid, I had, like, re- if you remember my story, T. In 1970, my uncle died in a fire with my two cousins. And I was very close. These two boys, we played together, right? Since we were born, basically. And I was curious as to where those two boys were um, as far as heaven or hell were concerned. Because none of us were at the age where we could say, I accept Christ as my personal savior. And here I am in CCD. uh, And I remember asking my parents and my grandparents, and they're like, oh, you know, Dougie and Chrissy, you know they're in heaven, and I'm being told in CCD that that's not true. Now they didn't actually come out and say no, they're in hell. But what I said was, if if a if a child dies before the age where they're actually able to consciously accept Christ as their personal Savior, what happens? And I was told over and over again that they go to hell. I had nuns tell me that. I had priests tell me that. I had deacons tell me that. I had teachers in CCD class tell me that. And I don't know if they'd have said that if I'd actually said, you know, I got my two cousins here, this happened, what they would have said. They may have, you know, tried to been a, a little bit uh, more sensitive about it, but this is what they were telling me. And I found it extremely disturbing. And, and it was one of the things that created enormous conflict for me. Like if we come from a loving God, I, that doesn't seem loving to me that does not seem loving right. to me right it 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 just doesn't um, Catholics would believe that if they get if they were baptized then that wouldn't happen uh, but I said you know I used the 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 idea that they weren't baptized and that was that was what they told me so there were many kinds of conf- conflicts and and i've I've talked to people all over the world about different religions that they have and I've asked them about the conflicts that they have in their own religion you know how do they actually deal with them which I won't get into but the the thing is, is that I think we have to question those things because sometimes we could believe things that are very detrimental to us and very detrimental to the way that we raise our own children and what it is that we believe and bring to the world. So that's all I want to say. I think we we have that responsibility to not blindly just go out in the world and believe things without checking, you know, and really coming to some kind of a critical thinking, educated uh, decision.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and we, we realize that it's a sensitive subject to talk about, but I love that you're being so candid about it. And in this day and age, more than ever, we tend to just stick to our guns and stay on the side that we perceive as being winning versus losing or whatever it might be and we don't we don't take a step back and consider all of the facts or why people are thinking that way so when when I'm hearing you and and talking about you know what you were learning when you were younger as to now it hasn't changed how you go about learning things it hasn't changed how you go about observing things and it's it's hard for me to like talk about these things because I don't want to frustrate anybody who might be listening. But I think at the you same should time, frustrate them. when you asked me the question. Uh, you know that would you led with like why do you believe a certain thing? The answer was clear. It's because my parents told me right. that. I didn't come to that realization on my own. I didn't go to Sunday, you know, service because I wanted to go to Sunday service. I was forced to go, and it wasn't always fun for me. Actually, it was never fun for me. But I always had to go. And and when I chose later on, I did have both my children baptized Catholic. We are not practicing, but we were we were. I don't want to say forced. We chose to do that just to appease the other people. We didn't do that because we were practicing. So it's really interesting. As you were saying that, I was thinking, wow, I don't believe I ever made the conscious decision myself on how to go about doing it. So what you're saying to kind of tie a bow on it is think about what you're doing. And that goes into produce your own experience. You are in charge of what you want to do, however you want to do it. I'm a very spiritual person. My wife is a very spiritual person. My children are spiritual but we don't practice in a house of faith every week to do that we choose to do our best yeah. spirituality in life yeah, so yeah. it's just it's yeah. it was interesting that you brought that and,
0: up and and i just want to make something clear we're doing this podcast to ruffle feathers I, i'm not here <laughs> it's true. I, That's I really true, don't yeah. care what people think it's my shit I, you know i'm doing this because um this is This is the message that I want to bring to the world, and I think that it has a place, and I think that it helps people. If people don't like it, they can listen to somebody else's podcast. That's true. I'm not here to intentionally offend, but I'm here to upset the Apple cart enough to ask a question. So if a person's pissed off, they're pissed off, let them be pissed off. That's fine. I'm not going to change what I believe just because somebody's irritated um, with my message in in any way. But if we don't if we don't ask questions, see if and and I realize this is kind of getting off of where we were going today, but maybe this just needs to, to be what it is. Um, the The world that we're living in right now is a very different world. It's changing very quickly, and there are a lot of things that are currently happening in our world that are extremely dangerous in the aspect of that we are getting away from any kind of belief system that has solid values that allow us to create um, uh, uh, a, a very serious idea of how we're going to choose our life. We're, we, we are living in an era where people want to take the idea of truth and values as a perspective of this is, this is a value that we should use and kind of throw it to the wind and say, um, there, there is no real truth, you know, and they're, they're, you know, everything is being constructed by a person's mind, Um, And it it doesn't. There's no absolute thing about it. Well, the truth is, the truth is both of those things. Yes, everything's being constructed by a person's mind because we have given all you know all of the different things in the world that we all believe and that we have created and all of that have been done by people. There's no question about that. I mean, that's that's absolutely correct. So when a person says this is true, it is their opinion that this is true. But if we don't live by what we, what we currently call truths that allow everybody to live in some kind of harmony where we can, we can create societies that can respect each other and love each other, they don't have to agree on everything, but they can come from a point of respecting, where we're not doing the thing what we're doing today, which is if you believe something different to me today, the hell with you! You should be killed. We should take your money. You should not be able to work again. Like we're in a, we're in an extreme era that's ex, that's very dangerous because if it doesn't turn around, if we don't get some leadership to help turn it around to bring some balance into this, you know, it it has no choice but to end really really bad. So part of that problem is that we don't information is coming at us so fast um, and and it's changing so rapidly that we don't have enough time to really think about what we're experiencing and thinking about to create some context around it and to evaluate what, what we're experiencing and why we're thinking. Because as soon as it happens, we're flashed into something else again, and it's just one um, you know, and, and, and right now there's like one tragedy after another. So people's minds are being really sucked into, you know, a lot of stuff that is extremely negative. So I think that it's very important that people really think about what they're experiencing, what they're doing. And we need to ask questions because if we stop asking questions, we will believe whatever we're told to believe. And that never ends well.
1: Right. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, everything you said just resonates so much and I'm sure people out there listening are feeling the same way it's it's one of those situations where we've sort of lost our ability to connect over um, disagreement uh, nowadays a disagreement is it's cancel culture it's you no longer get to work here, we're cutting you loose because you had an opinion that wasn't with the status quo. And by you saying, ask more questions, we're not talking about being divisive and we're not talking about being, you know, like in in a huge heated argument where it ends with fists or whatever else horrible. It's more about, this is my opinion, I'm entitled to it. This is your opinion, you're entitled to it. Let's kind of have a a, a frank conversation about it and not try to win the other over, but at least put it out there that you don't always agree because a lot of times for me, I'll sit there and I will like nod my head in agreement, even though I don't agree. And I always hear you in the back of my head saying, you know, when you're, when you're nodding like that, you are, you know, basically subconsciously agreeing with what they're saying, even though what they're saying is bullshit in your mind, you just don't have the balls to speak up and say it. So I think that we do need to be able to come together, have conversations and be comfortable disagreeing it's totally fine, but man, do you really need to have these conversations because if you don't and you start agreeing like you said, who knows where we're going to be one month, ten months, ten years down the road it's yeah. it's really kind of interesting yeah
0: and and stop walking around in the world thinking that um, you need to change other people because they did something that's triggering you like get over yourself and grow up already, but you know in the people that are having those experiences, defense, they're being raised in in a in a way where they don't have time to get some perspective on what they're how they're experiencing life, which is very different than than how you and I were raised. Sure, we had time, things would happen, things would upset us, and we had time to process. We had time to ask questions. We had time to take information. In uh, from parents or teachers or whatever to help us learn to cope with certain things. Today it's happening so fast, people are not getting a perspective. It's just like, fuck you, you you did this, fuck you, you know, you should die. Like, I hope you burn and have a horrible death. And it, and it's because they're upset, but they don't have the skills to know what to do with it. Yeah. That's a problem. That's yeah. a real problem. Totally. It's, it's like
1: you're up against a wall and, you know, you're trying to cope with this one thing and then another thing keeps pushing you up against that wall and more and more things are coming at such rapid a clip. You can't clear out the one thing you were attempting to cope with and you just keep getting smothered and smothered and smothered to the point where you just don't know what's up and what's down and you just immediately... St- maybe go into defeatist or I'm a victim. And then before you know it, you know, horrible things happen to you. So it really is powerful. And I love the tone that we're setting with this particular episode because you know, this is about producing your own experience. I mean, even though I didn't go through even any of my questions, really, that's what I love about this is because we can have an honest conversation about what it means to produce your own experience. You are in charge. You are the one that's able to take in information. I'm not saying that everything I do is right. I'm not even saying half of what I do is right, but I'm willing to own it and say that every opportunity I have with another person that I may disagree with is an opportunity for me to grow. So I turn it inward on me and say, you know what? that's a really interesting point rather than saying, nope, I was right. You're wrong. Let's move on. So I really think that this was perfect. Yeah, I think so. I love this. This was perfect. Well, thank you again. This is great. Good to be back in the studio. And thanks for coming inside. You bet.
0: Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.